the word play style is just outdated. You should, you should try and be the best player that you can be, right? So, like, if you are a safe playstyle player, you could be missing out on opportunities to kill the enemy. But if you're an aggressive playstyle player, you could be playing too aggressive and you could die to ganks. I think what I do that separates me from other Rengar players is I just execute all the things about Rengar to the highest level. Welcome to Challenger Insights, where we dive into the minds of the best League of Legends players to figure out how they think about the game. I'm your host, Lucas, and today I'm joined by Scrub Noob. He's a Challenger Rengar main, and he's been in Challenger since Season 4, with more than 1k LP consistently since Season 7. Before we get started, a quick announcement. After many requests from you guys, we've created transcripts for all Challenger Insights episodes. To get the transcript for this episode, join the Challenger Insights Discord and check the transcripts channel. The link for the Discord will be in the show notes. Scrub Noob, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. No problem. All right, so what makes Rengar so much fun to play? Um, why do you play him specifically? Um, I think I picked up Rengar because I was really interested in his one-shot capability, and I grew up playing World of Warcraft, and I was a rogue player, and so I liked the whole assassin and deleting people theme. So I guess that's what caught my eye in the first place. Okay. Um, so do you prefer to play him in jungle or top, or in which role would you say that he's the strongest? I started playing Rengar top, specifically. That was back then when the matchup was mainly around Gangplank and Fizz. And uh, it was really fun back then in season four or five or whatever, when you could jump on his barrels and outplay him and one-shot him like level three. But then in season six, I swapped over to jungle. I mainly swapped because I wanted to have more control over the map and more control over the tempo around the game. I think he is strongest top lane for the majority of, I guess, history. Um, I mean, he's had his metas where he's stronger jungle and top, but... I think currently right now he's the stronger top laner due to his fighting capability and I guess bullying in top lane. So um, why do you play him jungle then if you think top is stronger? Well, I've been playing jungle for like four years now, so <laughs> it's it's something that like I've I've managed to I guess perfect in like relearning top lane because top lane is not the same as it used to be, and so like relearning that role would take time. Okay, so yeah. Uh, Rengar, just in general, is, is quite a mechanically intense champion, right? Um, so out of all the things that you need to be, or that you need to do to even be good at Rengar, uh, what was kind of the hardest for you to learn? I guess the hardest thing to learn or to master about Rengar is just learning how to min-max. Because you really have to min-max with a champion like Rengar. You have to hold your stacks to the longest length. You have to know how to perfectly clear on this champion and if you mess up on one camp it could destroy your whole clear time so i guess just like learning how to min max everything about rengar is the hardest thing another hard thing with rengar is like knowing when you can and cannot go in it's kind of like the the least in syndrome where if you hit your q you want to q in but it's kind of the same thing with rengar when you ult you feel like you have to kill someone but a lot of people make that mistake and they don't realize that they can just back off if the fight is bad and Maybe get 
a win somewhere else other than forcing a fight. So for instance, like if I'm ulting and I'm invading the enemy jungle, I may not actually like look to gank someone or look to kill someone, but I'll just use the ult for vision and I'll use that vision that I gained to get an advantage. So if I realize that they're not in the enemy jungle, I can just take his red buff or his blue buff or whichever side I'm on. Okay. Um, real quick, when you mentioned min-maxing, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, what makes Rengar's clear so special? Like, Rengar's clear is really insane. You have to auto-attack every single minion, like, the perfect amount of times. Like, for instance, let me just go through Rengar's clear. In order to kill raptors, you have to auto-attack every single mini raptor once. To do wolves, you have to auto-attack each mini wolf twice. Uh, to kill Krugs, you have to auto-attack the big Krug, I think, three times or something, depending on if you smite or not. Like, it, it's all, like, calculated stuff. And so if you don't do it perfectly, you're going to reduce the amount of time you clear. And you have to do it perfectly, because if you don't, then you're not even going to be there when the crab spawns. And so doing a perfect clear, you full clear by 3.15, pretty much, or slightly before or after then. But yeah, that's that's the big part where min-maxing is important. Interesting. So what else are you min-maxing on Rengar? Um, what kind of things do you need to... I would say the, the big thing is knowing when to use your E. A few years ago, they added a cast time to Rengar's Bola. And this kind of gave Rengar a new mechanic where you can jump on something. And then before you land, you can throw your E in a different direction. And while you're casting your E, you flash. And so you can do some crazy plays with that, where you can like jump E flash on someone and completely catch them off guard. So I guess that's an example of min-maxing it perfectly. And you have to kind of have fast reactions or you're going to E over someone's head or you're going to completely miss it because you only have like 0.2 seconds to get your flash off and stuff. Okay, cool. So in general, just your Rengar playstyle. Um, if you were to compare your playstyle to, let's say, the average Rengar player, um, what would make your playstyle unique? Um, I don't think playstyle is a, a good word to use. I, I know a lot of people use the word playstyle, like if they're playing top lane and they're like, oh, I have an aggressive playstyle or I have a play safe playstyle. I, I don't believe that's a good way to look at the game because like the word like playstyle is just outdated. You, sh you should be able to add different things to how you play the game and you should try and be the best player that you can be, right? So like if you're if you are a safe playstyle player, you could be missing out on opportunities to kill the enemy or to like push them away from the wave, right? But if you're an aggressive playstyle player, you could be playing too aggressive and you could die to ganks or be like punished in other ways. So I I don't think style is the correct word. I think what I do that separates me from other Rengar players is I just execute all the things about Rengar to the highest level. So like if a Rengar player is trying to learn everything about him and ask himself, like, okay, how do I min-max this clear perfectly? How do I know when to go for which fights? How do I know which objectives to go for and when? When do I use my stacks and, like, what abilities do I use? Like, these are all the things that I've been mastering for years, and I guess that's one thing that sets me above all the other Rengar players is I've mastered them to a higher extent, I guess. Okay. So would you say that it really is just purely about the execution and not even about knowledge? Would you say that a different Rengar player would know exactly what to do but not be able to execute it as well? Correct. Because a big part of Rengar is, is, is mechanics. Like, game knowledge is really important, but mechanically, like, if you fuck up mechanically, 
on Rengar, you're going to get punished really hard, right? So if you, like, mess up your position in a team fight, like, as Rengar, you don't really have an escape. The only way to really escape as Rengar is to push your way forward, that's what I like to do. I test my limits and try and kill everyone before they kill me, I guess. Okay, so how do you get better at that then? What kind of uh, things can you can you do practically or pay attention to to get better at that mechanical execution? Well, one thing I've noticed when I watch other Rengar players is they don't click enough. Their APM is a bit slow and they don't like use their left hand as much as they should. So one thing I actually did a long, a long time ago is I added my tilde key to my right click on top of my mouse right click. And so I click twice as fast as anyone else. And it gives me actually control over my character more than everyone else. Um, but yeah, you have to play a lot of games in order to know your limits. You have to test your limits. But I mean, other than that, there isn't really much you can do to... It, it's not like I can tell you, oh, have three grapes, two bananas, and one apple every day and your mechanics will get better. No, you got to get this... You got to get your mechanics better by playing the game over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. Can you explain real quick what you meant about the, the tilde? What's, what does that do exactly? Well, so by being able to right-click two times faster than everyone else, I can change the direction my character is going two times faster than anyone else. So it gives me a little more control, like especially when I'm in those team fights where a lot of stuff is happening, and like any one pixel difference could make or break a team fight. Okay, interesting. I did want to mention basically some some tricks because I do feel like there is some knowledge about Rengar that you might have that definitely someone who's picking Rengar up for the first time wouldn't have. Um, what kind of other tricks do you use on Rengar that people just wouldn't know about? Some tricks, I guess. Like, it's not really a trick, but people that are new with Rengar probably don't do it. But if you get, like, a successful gank off, like, let's say you ganked top lane, right, in your blue side. So you're on the bottom of the map, and you ganked uh, top lane, and you killed them. Uh, you can just walk behind their tower through the tri-bush and go into the Krug bush, and then just wait for them to walk back and then kill them again. And you pretty much win the game in Loilo because the enemy top laner will lose like five waves and your top laner will get all the plates as well. So it's like the gold differential would just be massive if this worked. And it works a lot of the time in lower elos. So for the average person and probably the average person listening to the podcast could utilize that more and just win games more strictly off that trick, I guess you could call it. Okay, cool. Um, lastly, I wanted to quickly ask you about your setup specifically for the, the runes and summoners. Starting with your runes, what is your, your standard rune page and do you ever switch things up here? So right now, my rune page is looking like Conquer, Triumph, Alacrity, Coupe de Gras, and then Domination Secondary with Eyeball Collection and Ultimate Hunter. And then I take Attack Speed and AD. Um, I haven't been changing it much at all lately because I think this is the optimal rune page for the most of amount of situations that you're going to be in in a game. So like right now, there's a lot of early game and mid game skirmishes. And I think Conquer is the best rune to take for those situations. But at some points, you can take Electrocute with Inspiration secondary. This will give you a bit more burst damage, but you're going to not have that skirmishing ability like you do with Conquer. OK. Um... As for the summoner spells, I have seen you run uh, a few unexpected choices here. Can you tell me what are your, your options for the summoner spells? Um, this gets tricky because I, I don't think everyone should be copying me, I guess. Like you can, of course, but not everyone is going to be able to use TP Smite like or Ignite Smite as well as I would. And a lot of these players 
that are listening have probably used Flash their entire careers. So like they would use Flash better than if they copied me, right? But for me personally, the way it looks like is I'll take Exhaust versus Skirmishers, such as like Zinzao or Rek'Sai, or just depending on the enemy team comp. So if they have a lot of dive and they have a lot of burst, so like let's say they have a Diana, Vladimir, and like a Tristana, like or a Draven or a Twitch. Like Exhaust is really good there because it'll shut down them for an entire like four seconds, right? In a team fight. Whereas Ignite, um, I'll take it versus champs like Hecarim because I like to invade champs like Hecarim a lot where I can ignite them and they can't heal at all and I just win the fight basically. Whereas if you didn't take Ignite versus Hecarim, you would lose. Um, I was messing around with TP a little bit ago, a few patches ago. I think it's good, but there's some games where you don't really use the TP because if the enemy just doesn't go for certain opportunities, then you, you don't have a way to counter with TP. They just don't go for them and then you end up not using your TP at all. But yeah, going exhausting night gives you more invading power, I guess, more skirmishing power. So that's why I go for it. Because I, I think this meta is very skirmish heavy, I guess, and invade heavy. Okay. Interesting. Um so so why does that work? How are you able to run Rengar without flash yourself? Are you gonna die more as a result, uh, if you can't get out of fights after jumping in? Well, if you win the fight you don't need to get out, right? <laughs> so Rengar is already strong at skirmishing, I guess, but there are some junglers where, like Hecarim, for example, like if you don't take Ignite, you're going to end up losing the matchup and you're going to get outscaled, because Hecarim's one of those champions where if he gets Divine Sunderer and a bunch of tank items, he's just going to roll over you. Um, but if you get Ignite and shut him down early, he has no way to get into the game because you're already two items ahead of him and you're snowballing all over the map. Um, not having Flash in teamfights is pretty shitty as you would expect but you really just have to play more cautiously and think about like seriously uh, analyze the situation before jumping in and determine if jumping in is a good idea or not like you have to you have to think a lot harder i guess um but yeah just there, there's more scenarios where you can use ignite where then you can use flash i guess because you're, you're trying to get that lead with ignite to where team fights won't really matter as much okay interesting all right Let's talk about the early game a bit, or even earlier, let's, uh, let's say you're on the loading screen or even still in champ select. What kind of things are you thinking about before the game even begins? Personally, I don't really have a game plan going into the game. I don't think having a game plan is the correct mindset because then you're, then you're like forcing yourself to follow that game plan no matter what, even if like what happens in the game changes like your win condition and stuff. So I, I think like always playing towards your win condition is uh, the correct thing to do. And um, obviously like identifying your win condition is something that comes with just playing the game a lot or just having a lot of knowledge about the game. But one thing I do before I guess the game starts is I just look at the enemy summoner spells and I determine like who's vulnerable or who can I kill or like who can I gank. Like if like if top lane has ignite TP or if he has Ignite Flash, then I might want to gank him because he doesn't have TP, right? And if he doesn't have Flash, well, then I might gank him because he doesn't have Flash and try and double kill him. So, like, I'll have some idea, right? So I've been invading a lot. And, like, let's say I'm playing versus, like, Diana or Karthus, someone who's going to be full clearing, right? And their pathing is very predictable. I might have a game plan, I guess you could say, to invade them. But that could change if... Like, my mid laner doesn't ward their raptors, or if 
I notice that the enemy team has it warded somewhere, my game plan completely changes at that point, and I'm starting to play in a different direction, right? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, you mentioned invading, and I was uh, I was wanting to ask about that actually. First of all, do you ever go for like a level one invade just with your entire team? How do you assess if if that is ever a good idea? Um, there's some rules to league, I guess, that aren't on the rulebook. Where like if you have a blitzcrank or a thresh, you should pretty much always be invading. And if the enemy team has a Galio, you should never be invading, simply because these champions are just way too strong level one. But like level one specifically, you. You can invade every game if your team is with you. So like, let's just say you have five players that are all playing the game from zero seconds, which, by the way, is really fucking rare, especially in lower elo. Um, you should invade, because most of the time in lower elos, they just sit under tower and they don't really think about invades, and they, they don't care, because people don't really think about that stuff in lower, or lower elo. Um, so yeah, so in lower elo, you, you could try and invade every single game if all five players are all looking at their computer screen. But try not forcing it. Okay. Um, as for uh, a later invade, you mentioned like Karthus. What kind of things are you looking for, or which matchups make you think that could be a really good moment to to do a late invade? Well, lately, since I've been taking Ignite and Exhaust, I've always been looking for ways to invade every single game. So it doesn't really even matter the matchup. The hardest thing about invading is just knowing where you can invade and like when you can punish the enemy. So like knowing the enemy's pathing, I guess, is the hardest thing to do when it comes to invading. Um, but yeah, so it's just I, it's identifying where you think the enemy will be and trying to utilize tools to figure that out. So every single game, I'll ask my mid laner to ward the Raptors, and this will usually give me enough information to determine which side of the map he's on. Okay, interesting. Uh, so yeah, other than the invading, you mentioned this already uh, about your first clear being very specific. Can you run me through it? What does your first clear look like? When the gates open, I run straight to my Krug brush and I drop a pink ward. Uh, I'll start red buff, but at 1 minute and 23 seconds, I'll cue the plant in order to get two stacks before the red buff spawns. And then I'll kill the red buff, and then I'll jump to the Krug brush, or I'll jump to the Krugs from the red buff brush. And I'll try and AoE them down with my W while utilizing the bushes at zero stacks, by the way. And then I'll kill the Krugs on my way to Raptors, trying to hold the stacks as long as possible. And then I'll jump on the big Raptor, auto-attack it once to get the red buff. And then I'll W all the Raptors, I'll empower W. And then you run to the brush, and you auto-attack each mini Raptor once. And then you focus the big Raptor, and another W will finish off the camp. And while doing this, you want to drag the raptors to the wolves, so that way you can keep your stack for the wolves as well. And then for the wolf camp, you want to auto-attack each wolf once, and then focus the big wolf, and then two Ws will kill the wolves. And then you run to the blue, and you auto-attack it, and then you run to the gromp, and you throw your E at it, and then you fight the two at the same time. And you keep red buff on both camps at the same time, and then Using your W is the best thing you can do while simultaneously running to the brush and then jumping back on the grump. And then if you do this perfectly, you should have four stacks at 315 for the crab. It's very specific. That is that is definitely very specific. All right, let me go way back to the start there. You said drop a pink ward in the Krugs bar. What items are you starting with? <laughs> so I start with uh, Red Smite 
a normal health pot, and then one control ward. Okay. Do you keep that control ward on the Krugs like the whole game just so that you can jump to it from red um, every time? Well, it's it's really valuable for the first two clears that you do because one thing I uh, have done is you can full clear and then after killing the crab, you can run back to your Krugs and then full clear once again and you should have enough for Dirk and Boots, which is the strongest first back you can get. But then you can start, after doing the second clear, you can start placing normal control wards on the map wherever you like. Okay, interesting. All right, so yeah, after that full clear, you're going to go for uh, the, the Scuttle Crab. What do you do if the enemy uh, jungler also ends up going to the Scuttle Crab? Is that a fight that you generally want to fight, or is it, you know, what's going through your mind when uh, you have a clash at, at the Scuttle Crab there? Well, at this point, a level 4 Rengar is like one of the strongest champs in the game, and especially if you are taking Ignite and Exhaust. Like, the enemy jungler would be out of his mind to try and fight you there. Um, but it also depends on like if your top or mid laner have prio, and if they don't have prio, then you can just after killing your gromp in blue, you can just run to the enemy gromp or the opposite side scuttle, sorry, and then full clear again after killing the scuttle or gank bot lane. Okay, all right. So so after all that, I I assume you want to you know start snowballing a lead somewhere. How do you do that? Where do you prefer to gank, or uh, where do you want to take your fights? I mean, the, the, I have no favorites. It's it's always like just where the opportunity lies, right? So like if top lane's gankable, you gank top lane. If bot lane's gankable, then you gank bot lane. You just got to figure out where these opportunities are. Again, like that's the hardest part about League is just seeing the opportunities in the first place and calculating like if you should go for them or like prioritizing the things you need to do. Um, I guess the easiest way to gain a lead is just by invading the enemy jungler at the right time and killing him there, utilizing the brushes, and he'll have no escape. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned that you like to invade a lot, and I, I suppose I can see how that uh, is likely to be consistent. If you are ganking, though, is Rengar able to force ganks just from you know a, a relatively neutral lane, or do you really need there to you know already be a, a fight going on, or maybe do you prefer to counter gank, that kind of stuff? Um. So post-6, Rengar has one of the best counter-ganking abilities in the game with his ult. Like if, let's say I'm like doing Krugs and my bot lane gets ganked or something, I will just like ult and try and focus the lowest person down. And I'll tell my team to run to the brushes or I'll like ping that direction for them. And then I'll just clean up all the kills and stuff. Okay. And before 6? I guess you just have to look at the lane situation and what's going on determine if someone is diveable or not. If like, let's say for example, like your top lane's wave crashes into the enemy tower, you could lane gank in this situation because after the wave crashes into the tower, it's going to push back to your top laner. And if the enemy top laner wants to reset and buy items, he'll try and hard push it. And so he might commit to like standing on top of the wave and pushing it as fast as possible. And then this will leave him vulnerable to gank. Um, and that applies to bot lane too. Mid lane is really hard to gank for Rengar unless you're level 6. So I just, like, you shouldn't go for it unless they're hugging one side of the map. Or there's like two waves in mid lane where they're stacking on top of each other. And the mage minions will kind of peek into range of your jump. Um, but yeah, just try avoiding ganking mid unless you're level 6, I guess. Okay. Um, 
you mentioned earlier uh, the Dirk with Boots is the, is the best early items you can get. Why is it so good? And what does that kind of build into for you? Well, Dirk is just one of the like fastest power spikes in the game. The item gives you a ton of AD with a ton of lethality. And I guess like if you have Dirk, you're able to kill someone in like four seconds with Rengar. Um, Dirk and Boots is just like a really good buy because it allows you that much more I guess like like power to kill the enemy, um, especially like when you're looking for invades with your boots and like you're faster than the enemy and stuff. What does it build into? Usually, I've been rushing Essence Reaver first, but I'll buy Dirk like first back, and then for boots, you just finish into Lucidity boots. Okay, the the Dirk is not in the Essence Reaver build path, right? Correct. So uh, I'm assuming you, you use it for the Duskblade after the Essence Reaver? Um, normally, so you can build Duskblade versus Squishy Champions, or like if you're snowballing and you're one-shotting people. Or you can build Dirk into Eclipse if they're stacking a bunch of armor, because Eclipse has uh, armor pen, like for the Mythic passive or whatever, the Mythic Legendary. It gives you armor pen for every Legendary that you have. Okay, um, so why do you not build... Uh, a mythic first. Why do you go Essence Reaver first? Essence Reaver is just an overpowered item. All the stats benefit Rengar, and they just all work together. Like the item gives you everything you want. It gives you a ton of AD. It gives you a Sheen ability, which is really good for Rengar because you're always using your Q. It gives you cooldown reduction, and it starts building you crit. And crit right now is really overpowered. Items like Essence Reaver, Lord Dominic's, and IE are very powerful right now. I guess. So that's another reason why you don't see Rengar players building Lethality, is because Lethality got nerfed and crit items got buffed. Um, but yeah, Essence Reaver is just too good. Okay. Um, for the Mythic, you mentioned Duskblade and Eclipse. Are there ever any other Mythics that you buy on Rengar? So Eclipse and Duskblade, I guess you could say, are the Assassin Mythic items. But like, if I notice my team is very ahead early game, and they're all very snowball-y, like, damage-carry champions, I might go for a Bruiser-oriented build, where I'll try rushing, like, Gore Drinker or Stridebreaker, I guess. And then I'll build into, like, Sterix and just be, like, the front line for my team. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, you also mentioned Lucidity Boots. For the, for the Bruiser, uh, do you also still use Lucidity Boots, or would you go for some kind of tank boots instead? So Lucidity Boots uh, recently got a buff, and they're, they're just really good. Cooldown reduction is one of the best stats for Rengar. There's very rare situations when you would go like Ninja Tabby or Merc Treads. Like they have to be full AD and they have to be full AP like to go those items. But Lucidity Boots is just a consistent item that will be good in every single game because you're always using your abilities. Okay, awesome. I quickly wanted to ask you about um, objectives as well. Because Rengar is such a kill-oriented champion, um, do objectives even matter to you? Well, of course objectives matter. You can't win without getting objectives. But because of, like dragon control is so important and getting Herald before 14 minutes is so important, it's not the objective itself you might want to focus on, but more the fact that the enemy wants the objective. So, for example, like you can predict some fights will happen because they'll be contesting the dragon that will be spawning in like one minute or two and try and win a teamfight and then win the game off it. But yes, as a jungler, you should always be like focusing on getting Herald as soon as possible. Like After you clear all your camps, you should be getting Herald. 
one thing I notice a lot of junglers do, uh, which is a bad thing, is they'll do like either Herald or Dragon when all of their camps are up, which is absolutely horrible. You should never do that because you're going to lose a shit ton of tempo for like no reason when you could have just pathed a bit better and cleared all your camps first and then done the objective. Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, it's you care mostly about that the enemy wants the objective. Are you, when it comes to fighting around an objective, uh, would you prefer to, uh, you know, smite the dragon to to get it? Or are you fine with just diving on the backline and getting kills instead? Like, where are your priorities during such a fight? Uh, that's really hard to answer because it, it depends on every single fight. Like, every fight is different, right? So, I mean, you just have to try and read the situation and prioritize what you want to do first. I guess normally you would prioritize killing the objective. So like if dragon is getting close to smite range, you might want to focus the objective first and then focus on the team fight afterwards. Um, but if you can determine like if you win the team fight, then you can kill the dragon, then you might want to focus on killing the enemy first. But I guess you just have to calculate if dragon can survive that long. Okay, cool. So let's move on to the mid game a bit. What are your goals in the mid game as Rengar? I guess at this stage of the point, you would have like Essence Reaver and maybe start building like Dirk. Try looking for like the squishiest person or the easiest target to kill with your ult. One thing I like to do is I try being there for the enemy jungle's buffs when they spawn, and I'll like use my ult to force them away or force them to fight me. And then I'll try like ganking the whichever lane is closest to me after that point. But in the mid game, you're also like farming as much as you can so that way when the next objective spawns you can be as strong as you can possibly be and then win it so like let's say dragon is spawning in one minute you might want to just save your ult and then ult when the dragon spawns or you have to determine if you can ult and kill someone that might be vital for the dragon fight and then kill the dragon um but yeah that's usually what you're doing in the mid game is you're just trying to play around your objectives and uh trying to get a lead still okay you you mentioned a few different ways to use the ult, um, and especially like zoning and vision as well. And you mentioned earlier that it is really tough sometimes to tell you know whether you should be jumping on someone or whether you should just be waiting and you know not taking a bad fight. <laughs> this is going to be a difficult question, but how you how do you assess that? When do you know that you can jump in, or you know what kind of information are you looking for uh, before you make that decision? Like, let's say I'm invading the enemy buff or something. It doesn't really matter which buff. And the enemy seems to be contesting it, right? So they're not really scared that I'm there and they want to fight me. I might second guess myself and, like, ask myself, like, okay, where's the enemy support? How many people are showing on the map? Because if they're all missing, well, they're probably all there, right? And usually around buff timings, so, like, let's say the buff is spawning, usually a good support will be there for the buff, especially against a jungler like Rengar, where it's, I guess, predictable when they want to invade and stuff. Um, so you just have to ask yourself like where the enemy team might be and stuff. Um, and you also have to know your limits. Like, If the enemy team is there, can you even fight them? Like, Could you fight them? Do you have enough damage to one-shot someone? Uh, do you have Duskblade? Like, can Duskblade buy you enough time to one-shot two people while you're stealthed and stuff? But yeah, that just comes down to like knowing your limits and watching the map, I guess. Okay, cool. When you are jumping on someone, you're usually going to get like one empowered ability in, in your burst rotation, right? How do you choose whether you're going to be using Q, W, or E for that? So your Q is what you want to be using if you are planning to auto-attack them a lot. 
and you're planning to stick on that same target, um, you should use W, obviously, when you're taking a lot of damage. Or if you're in a CC and that CC is like, it's like fatal. Like if you sit in the CC for too long, you might die. So that's when you would want to use your W. Or if you're like disengaging and you know you won't be re-engaging anytime soon, you might want to use your W just for that added burst and the movement speed. Your E is good if you are fighting with someone and you need them to stay still. So like if you're ganking, your E is pretty useful. Or if you know the enemy has like flash or something and they're running to a wall, you might want to let them get close to the wall, but like not close enough to where they can flash over the wall because then they're more focused on getting to the wall as soon as possible and flashing rather than focusing on when you're going to use your empowered ability. Okay, cool. How do you, <laughs> um, is that something that you think of before you even jump in? Like what uh, abilities they could use or is that just something that you need to have quick reflexes for basically? It depends on the scenario. Mostly it's quick reflexes. That's one of the hardest things about Rengar is knowing which ability to use when. Um, but there's some situations where it's like pretty clear cut. So like if you're ganking in the early game, like there isn't really going to be a better ability than your E unless they're like close to their tower and they have flash and you don't think you can hit them if they use their flash, then you might want to use your Q. But it, it's, it really depends on the situation and just quick reflexes, I guess. Okay. So let's say in the mid game, um, if your team is ahead quite a bit, um, how do you push that advantage? Uh, what can a, a Rengar player do to accelerate the game? Well, you can try and think from the enemy's perspective what they need to do in order to win the game. I don't think a lot of players do that. They always think about their perspective and what they need to do, but they don't really think about what the enemy wants to do. And if you if you think about what the enemy wants to do, well, then like you can more easily think about where they will be and who they're going to focus and what objective they want to contest and stuff. Uh, and then just... I guess thinking five steps ahead. So like if you have three dragons, right? And it's infernal so or something, like it's like a game winning objective if you get the fourth dragon. You wanna think about that and be like, okay, the enemy is for sure gonna be like grouping up for this. And then you're gonna wanna like be in a certain spot and maybe get vision control and maybe be like sitting in a brush somewhere because you know they're gonna face check you. Um but I guess that's one really key thing you could do to get a lead at that stage. Thinking from the enemy's perspective, you want to think about what the enemy wants to do. All right, interesting. Um, so, assuming that at this point, if you if, if you do manage to get quite a lead and if you made all the right decisions, uh, that you as Rengar would have a majority of the kills, right, as an assassin. Um, so, if you die, the enemy would probably get a lot of shutdown gold. Do you ever need to play safe as a result to prevent giving that shutdown, or does that not matter to you really? Well, if you if you have a big shutdown, obviously there's going to be more pressure on if you die or not. So you have to be more cautious and like try and try hard your focusing ability and analyze like situations better. I guess that's what goes into my head. Like if I have a shutdown of 700 gold, I'm obviously going to not go for more coin flippy fights. I'm only going to be going for fights that I know I can end up on top of, I guess. Okay. Do you not need to always be making risky plays to close out the game? Like, how much risk are you willing to take, um, given that situation? It's a really hard question to answer because it depends on many variables. So I, I I like to take into account like so I'm I'm fed at this point in the game. I try and analyze the situation and like know which summoners are available for the enemy. I try and like figure out 
how the enemy is playing and if they're playing bad, like if they're playing good, I, I try and stay away from certain people if they're playing good and I try winning the game off people who are playing bad. It, it's really difficult to answer a question like that though because there's no like one right answer. All right, fair enough. If you do end up giving that shutdown, um, does that cause you to play differently at all? Well, like let's say you have a 1k gold shutdown and you're like level 12 or something and the enemy team has a Kassadin, who is obviously their win condition. Like he's like a level 16 Kassadin is their win condition. That's what they want to get to. And you give your shutdown to them. Like you, you have to play the game accordingly and do everything you can to end the game as soon as possible or shut down that Kassadin. Like he is the new, like he is the prime target. But that, that, that comes down to like who got the shutdown and stuff. Um, so like if a support got a shutdown, you're not really worrying as much. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. In in a different situation, um, let's say that your team is behind instead, and maybe you don't have as many kills as you would like. What can you do to get back into the game? What is the best strategy in this case? So I guess this comes back to thinking from the enemy's perspective. Like let's say all my lanes are losing and my top laner has been getting camped or something. I might want to like counter gank and try and predict if the enemy will like be low enough for me to kill them and then try and like get a kill or like you're trying to do everything you can to squeeze in one kill. You're probably not going to be able to uh, contest any objectives if your entire team is behind. So you want to focus your attention more on getting kills as much as possible. But I, I guess that's all you can do is just try and think from the enemy's perspective and try and punish them when they're making too much of a risky play. So if they try and going for like a risky dive or something, it's important to be there and punish them for that. So how do you do that if you are so far behind? Uh, did you just get blown up by their carry and making the situation even worse? Well, so in situations like that, I guess you're... You're trying to like suicide bomb their carry, right? Like you're you're literally trying to like trade. Like at best, you can go one for one. I guess that's what you want to go for if you're super behind. Is just trying to go one for one because like if you're behind and the enemy is ahead, well then that one for one is like that's a win for you. So I guess you're you're just trying to dive and like go all in on that one person that you want to kill. Okay, that makes sense. So you you care a lot more about a kill than. You know, the, the loss that would be another death. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, lastly, about the mid-game, what items are you kind of looking to uh, to buy to, to close out the game? Um, assuming that you finished your Essence Reaver and Duskblade, how do you finish your build? So after Essence Reaver and Duskblade, you can either go Collector, if they don't have a lot of armor and they're really squishy, um, or you could do this if they have a lot of health and they don't have a lot of armor, because Collector is actually really good for people who stack health. The other option is Lord Dominic's, which is, I guess, more popular because mostly people will be building armor and they'll have at least like Ninja Tabby and stuff. Um, so Lord Dominic's will be really efficient and it'll be really strong because it also scales into the game as they are buying armor. And then after that, you finish your build with Infinity Edge because you'll be at 60% crit and Infinity Edge is like your your win game item. Like if you get to Infinity Edge, you're you're going to be one-shotting people. After IE, though, if the game does go on, you can sell your boots for a bunch of items. I guess it depends on how much gold you have when you back. So, like, let's say I have 2,600 gold or something. I, I'll sell my boots for Phantom Dancer, um, but let's say I have 4,000 gold. I might sell my boots for Bloodthirster instead, like a more impactful item. The important thing is just to get to 100% crit, 
because like going from 80% crit to 100% crit is much more impactful than going from 0 to 20, for instance, or 20 to 40. Because if you're critting every single auto attack, then you're increasing your damage like two times more than if you crit and then miss a few autos in a team fight. Like it could make or break a team fight if you crit or not. So that's why getting 100% is the most important thing. Um, what you buy sort of just depends on, I guess, the game and like what items they're building and how much gold you have. Okay. I wonder, do you ever uh, buy Edge of Nights, the the spell shield item? There have been situations. Usually, I'll buy it if I'm like crazy far ahead, and the enemy team has like Lulu or Janna champions that can cancel my jump when I want to kill them. If you're behind, I don't think it's worth to buy. I would rather just go as much damage as possible, and like I said earlier, just try and trade one for one with the carry. But yeah. Okay, I'm wondering the same actually about Guardian Angel, especially if you're ahead. Is that a good investment? I'm I'm not a fan of Guardian Angel, um, especially on Rengar, especially if you don't have Flash, um, because Rengar is like very dependent on being in bushes, and he's very dependent on like just not being a sitting duck, right? Because he's super squishy, and um, like half of his kit is dependent on him being at four stacks, which is not possible if you're not in a bush. Um, so. I guess I, I there's rarely ever situations where I'd finish my stopwatch into a GA. Um, you can buy Zhonya's, though, unironically. It's actually a good item on Rengar. It gives you a bunch of stats that you actually can use. It also is available for like every teamfight that you go for, whereas GA would not be available. Um, you can also choose when you want a stopwatch, whereas GA, you have to die, which is not... It. So I, I would never buy GA. If there's ever a situation where like I need to buy a item to stall my life, I would just buy Zhonya's. Okay, interesting. Lastly, I was also kind of curious about your trinket, because I do believe that you upgrade to the blue trinket, right? Um, what is that good for? So blue trinket um, is very good on Rengar, especially because Rengar is an assassin, right? And he utilizes bushes. And there's a lot of bushes that are in range of each other. So like, like there's a bunch of bushes surrounding red buff, there's a bunch of bushes surrounding blue buff, and like let's say you're in a team fight and the enemy flashes over, uh, blue trinket could win you this team fight by being able to follow that flash with your jump. Um, it also has very like standard uses, so you can just like ward your krugs and then permanently have a ward on the krugs, and you can always just save that little bit of time and jump on them whenever you want. Okay, cool. But do you? Uh... I assume that you don't really ever need it uh, for your ult, for example, because your ult already uh, gives vision. You don't need it uh, to jump on people. Correct. Like you would use it reactively uh, for when they try and run away, or like if you're sitting in a bush and the bush across from you, there might be an enemy. You might want to use it um, because then if you jump on them, you one shot them. Uh, but yeah, it's usually used reactively instead of proactively, like sweeper. Interesting. All right. Um, finally, I wanted to kind of get uh, a higher level view on the game um, and ask about the game as a whole. Now, the first question on that is, um, if someone finds themselves uh, stuck at basically any level of skill, what do you think they should do to improve at the game? I, I think something that holds everyone back is, I guess, their ego. If like a silver player who has like 800 games is flaming his teammates every single game, then 
like the answer is pretty obvious. He needs to focus more on himself and his own mistakes rather than finding something to blame and save his face, I guess you could say. Um, but that goes for like any elo. So it goes from iron to, I guess, even challengers, just ego. Another thing is having an outside perspective. So coaching specifically helps a lot. Um, like having a challenger player tell you what you're missing and what things you need to work on specifically is, I guess, the fastest, most efficient way to improve because you're having an expert on the game basically prioritize the things that you need to know in order to get better. Whereas if you didn't have coaching, you don't even know that priority list, right? Like you don't even know where to start. You don't know what's more important. You don't know, like you, you don't even see the things that you're missing unless you really looked. Whereas a challenger player can just see everything that you're missing and be like, okay, you need to do this, 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 and then you'll get better. Uh, so coaching is a huge one. Okay, that makes sense. Um, another thing I wanted to ask about is, as someone who plays an assassin a lot and gets a lot of kills, what are your thoughts on the whole 1v9 mindset? Um, is it helpful or harmful to think you should do everything alone? I guess it is harmful for your mental to try and be that 1v9 person. Uh, that's one thing I tend to do a lot is I use like my high APM to micromanage all of my teammates and try and coordinate them and try and play the game for them. Um, but it actually comes at a cost because then like if they don't listen and they get punished, they might like really tilt you. So my best advice is to try and just play better than your opponent jungler and try not to like micromanage everything and trying to just play at play your own game um, and use the tools that are given to you, I guess. Don't try and micromanage the tools. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I understand what you mean about micromanaging. Um, do you still, though, like communicate with your team? Do you recommend not talking to your team at all? Or like, what's the balance there? I, I wouldn't be able to answer that because I, I don't have a balance. I try and micromanage my team every single game. Like for right now, like let's say my current account, I'm I'm in plat two elo, but I'm in like diamond something MMR. And I know I'm better than everyone in the game. And so I'm trying to like help my team win and try and micromanage them. Uh, but it, it comes at a cost because again, like before, everyone has ego. No one wants to be told what to do, even if you are correct. It's it's stupid, but that's how it is. It's, humans are just something else. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so something that you're trying to get better at still is well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I like I I don't have that balance. I guess you could say. Um, so I would just recommend to not try and micromanage everyone because it could be detrimental to your mental. All right, cool. I've got um, one last question, uh, which is, what is the best Rengar skin? Headhunter, of course. Um, it, it's just the cleanest, I guess. It's It's been out since Rengar first came out, and it's just been my favorite ever since. I don't think there has been a skin that has come out that's been as clean or as iconic, I guess, as Headhunter. It's kind of like that one skin that every champion gets where it's just like their own theme, right? So like for Rengar's lore is he's trying to like he's trying to catch his like victims trophies right and so headhunter is like fits that theme perfectly i guess because uh i guess on his left shoulder he has like baron as his trophy right i don't know if you noticed that but his shoulder pad is supposed to be uh i think baron or balma or something so it, it's just a really cool skin in general <laughs> that's awesome all right cool yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast um 
yeah, this has been this has been really cool. Uh, where can people find out more about you? You can find me on my Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash scrubnoob. You can find me on my YouTube. Uh, just search for scrubnoob. And my Twitter is scrubnooblol. All right. Awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for interviewing. All right, that's it for this episode. If you want to stay up to date with the podcast, be sure to join the Discord. It'll be the place for announcements, events, and perhaps even giveaways and more. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sending it to someone who you think would be interested in it as well. Thank you for listening. <laughs>